So a woman is putting herself at risk of disease, depression, and all kinds of health problems if she does not be proactive and initiate hormone replacement therapy before the damage has occurred. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Dr. James Nagel, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Thank you, Tom. Nice to be here. I'm looking forward to this interview with you for a while. You are a internal medicine doctor at the Quality of Life Medicine in Chico, California, correct? That's correct. Okay, good. Before we get started today to wrap up this series on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, which this will be episode number six of that series, you are the last one. Let's talk about you a little bit. I understand you're, as we just, I just said, that you're an internal medicine specialist who practices advanced hormone replacement therapies in your clinic. How did you go from internal medicine into this field of hormone replacement therapy? That's a great question. It was a gradual evolution over years of time, as you can imagine. I've been doing hormone replacement therapy probably for 20 to 25 years. However, when I first started doing hormone therapy, I didn't really know what I was doing. As you know, in med school and residency, we do not get any training on hormone replacement therapy or treatment of menopause. So it was kind of hit and miss. And it was almost like serendipity. I was sort of in the right place at the right time. I attended a conference down in Beverly Hills on male and female sexual dysfunction back in 2000. And I met a physician there who was doing anti-aging medicine. And so he connected me with some websites that were offering training on hormone replacement therapy uh, using bioidentical hormones. And so I began to attend conference after conference after conference to kind of indoctrinate myself and immerse myself in hormone replacement therapy because I really was interested in it but didn't know anything about it. So what I noticed from all of that training is that there were a lot of different gurus out there that were offering recommendations and treatment protocols, but there wasn't any real rhyme or reason behind it. And I felt I needed much more. And along this journey of education, I uh, became a fellow in the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and participated in a three-year fellowship program on hormone replacement therapy. And at that time, they were married to the Institute of Functional Medicine. So we were getting a lot of training and education, not only in nutrition, but supplementation and environmental medicine, as well as hormone replacement therapy. And it was a good foundation to get started on. I got training also at the Institute down in Scripps Institute on Integrated Medicine. And I dabbled with different forms of hormone replacement therapy using low-dose static 
uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, titrating the dosage with saliva testing. And my patients really did not do well with that. And it wasn't until I became educated on rhythmic estrogen restoration protocols that things began to make sense. And over time, we began to evolve and develop our own systems. And so that's kind of where this started with me. Okay. And now you are the co-developer of Panacea Protocol. Exactly. And, and you work uh, clinic, You work with clinical hormone coach Moxie Marie Hoig, who's been on my show a couple, three or four times at this point. And uh, she recently published a list of questions every woman should ask looking for a hormone, a good hormone doctor. And for the, this interview, I'd like to use this list to go through and ask you these questions. And so you can answer them as a, as a, as a, a physician yourself. How does that sound to you today? Oh, that's great. Okay, yeah, great. It's a good place to get started because literally patients need to understand whether or not they're in the hands of somebody who understands how to balance their hormones the way they're supposed to be balanced. What is the average age and what problems do they typically complain about when they come to you? So my typical demographic of patient is your perimenopausal and menopausal female. We also treat women who are in their teenage years and also women in their 20s. But we treat women, perimenopause and menopause, who are in relative to absolute states of estrogen deficiency. So as you can imagine, there are about 200 known symptoms associated with estrogen deficiency. They include everything from depression to anxiety to brain fog to fibromyalgia. Um, it turns out that estrogen is mother nature's natural tranquilizer, but antidepressant. So there is a minimum brain threshold that's required for estrogen. When estrogen dips down under that minimum brain threshold, the woman starts to experience symptoms of depression and anxiety, insomnia, etc., especially brain fog and fatigue. And so estrogen is not only a neurotransmitter itself, but it regulates the production, release, reuptake, and degradation of numerous other neurotransmitters in the brain, such as serotonin and dopamine, and plays a very important role at facilitating the production of your brain-derived neurotrophic growth factors that enable the functional integrity of the neurons and the synapses themselves and help a woman feel energetic and alive. And then, of course, we have patients coming in with symptoms of generalized aches and pains, fibromyalgia, arthritis, pain in their hips and joints. It turns out that women come in with a lot of gastrointestinal issues as well, all the way from heartburn, pain in their abdomen, bloating, constipation, uh, regurgitation, etc. And it turns out that Estrogen is extremely important in maintaining the functional integrity of the gastrointestinal tract. So when estrogen begins to go low, your enterocytes, the lining of the gut, begin to break down. They develop leaky gut. They develop increased permeability to 
uh, the gram-negative endotoxins in the gut. So it's important to maintain estrogen at adequate levels to avoid a lot of these health problems. And then patients come in with problems as trivial as my hair is falling out and I want to know how to get my hair back. So that's the type of patient that tends to come into our office. Okay. Okay, good. Moxie and I have talked in previous episodes of the four generations of hormone therapy. Which generation of the hormone replacement therapy do you use currently? All right. So in our office, our go-to hormone replacement therapy system is the Panacea HRT. That is not to be confused with the Panacea protocol, which actually involves all the elements of a good, complete therapeutic prescription for well-being. It's the periodic table of health, basically. But the Panacea HRT is a specific estrogen rhythmic restoration protocol that has been engineered to correct the underlying endocrine problem that all women will experience at some stage of her life. And that's ovarian failure or estrogen deficiency. And so that's why we use the system because it's very easy to titrate a woman with the system to that hormone sweet spot. Now, back in the 30s, there was a physician and a group of physicians under George Papanicola. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's the father of the pap smear. Yep. And uh, back in those days, the Germans had just discovered 17 beta estradiol or manufacturing it for commercial use. And George, along with Dr. Ephraim Shore and the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Cornell University, began to do research to titrate and figure out a dosing protocol to be able to treat women with all of their different estrogen deficiency symptoms and diseases. And they published their data in a long 20 page paper in 1940, and you could hear the frustration in their voice because they had hoped to come up with a very simple protocol that physicians could follow to adequately treat their symptoms. And the thing is that they use very specific clinical criteria and laboratory data that they followed to be able to track their patient to get to that hormone sweet spot. And they found in the course of their estrogen therapy that the dosing requirements could vary as much as a thousand percent between patients. In other words, there's not a one size fits all. And I found in my own experience with hormone replacement therapy, if I was going to succeed at getting my patients to the hormone sweet spot, I needed to have a system of hormone replacement therapy that was able to have the power to adapt to every single woman. Every woman is a unique challenge with respect to getting her to that hormone sweet spot. And we wanted to have a system that was able to capture all of the messages that estrogen is capable of communicating because estrogen itself interacts with its receptors with thousands of distinct target genes in the nucleus of cells and has the ability to discriminate function among every cell type in the body. Every cell, every organ system in a woman's body is a locus of action of estrogen. Hmm. And so when a woman develops dry eyes, dry mouth, dry, she develops those issues for the same reason 
that they develop vaginal dryness is because estrogen is important to every cellular function in the body. And so a rhythmic protocol is extremely important at being able to capture all of the messages that estrogen is capable of communicating. And if you use a low-dose static hormone replacement therapy, you're not going to reverse the problems that women get when their estrogen begins to go low. And that problem is even a slight reduction in optimal levels of estrogen will result in insulin resistance. And insulin resistance, as you know, is the root cause behind the vast majority of chronic health problems that we have today. And if you're only giving her a low-dose static hormone replacement therapy system, it will not reverse those disease processes. So you have to have a system that's truly physiologic that restores her back to what a young, healthy, fully loaded and operational reproductive female had when she was healthy. Therefore, Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So this <clears throat> the system, so you just can't throw estrogen on. So you just can't throw estrogen yeah. on. There's other, there's other avenues that have to be involved. Exactly. And you have to have a system where the patient, once they get to that hormone sweet spot, they can't imagine feeling any better. But at the same time, the physician has a very clear-cut roadmap to guide him to adjust the dosage to get to that hormone sweet spot. Okay, perfect. Yes, or... Yeah. All right, before we dig deeper, can, can, he, can this be done naturally without hormone replacement therapy? There is no natural source of hormones in Mother Nature okay. outside the human body. So let's say you're a younger woman who has intact ovaries, but they're not working well because of stress, drugs, environmental disruptors, all kinds of things can sabotage a woman's ability to make her own estrogen, okay. or progesterone, testosterone. So utilizing a complete therapeutic lifestyle intervention program, which is actually our panacea protocol, we integrate the principles of an active lifestyle, nutrition, diet, detoxification, promoting the fitness of mind, body, and spirit, and then support the woman in every way so that her ovaries can kick in and start working the way that they're supposed to. That's the goal in a younger, healthy woman. Unfortunately, the ovaries are a woman's Achilles heel. And as she gets older, she loses the ability to make hormones at all. And at that point in time, you need to intervene. In fact, you need to intervene long before she becomes absolutely estrogen deficient so you can prevent all of these complications associated with the loss of circulating estrogen, which is primarily insulin resistance. Okay. Does okay. That, that makes so, perfect yeah, sense. Lifestyle is our go-to thing, but if it doesn't work, then you can fall back on utilizing the panacea HRT, which has the ability to titrate her to that hormone sweet spot where she can't imagine feeling any better. Okay. Okay. Perfect. How, how do you, as a functional medicine practitioner uh, or physician, how do, you, how do you address some of these root causes with your female patients? All right. You know, that's a very good question. 
in order to be successful at treating a patient, a physician needs to have a good understanding of the origin of disease. And one of my big frustrations about going through medical school was that when I graduated from med school, I had no more understanding of the origin of disease than when I started med school. Yes, I did have a lot of training on genetic diseases, on infectious diseases, on inborn errors of metabolism. We learned about the relationship between your risk of certain diseases and your HLA typing, your basically your genetic markers. But the vast majority of patients who came into the office on a daily basis had diseases that were categorized as idiopathic. In other words, nobody knew why you had it. So when Mrs. Jones comes into the office and says, Dr. Nagel, why do I have rheumatoid arthritis? The go-to answer in most doctors' offices is, well, we don't know. <laughs> well, thanks to functional medicine principles, we understand that the vast majority of health problems is related to the integrity and function of your gastrointestinal tract and your human microbiome. So we now realize that it is the absorption of intestinal toxins from the gut that creates a vicious cycle that either aggravates, cause, or prevents recovery from many chronic diseases. And so addressing all of the factors that help to restore optimal gut health restoring the inflammation and immunology of the body and then integrating that with correcting the underlying endocrine issues especially in women low estrogen leads to leaky gut and i know you know all about right. leaky gut i'm sure and so does your patient and your audience but with estrogen you have a more powerful healing and repair tool to bring into functional integrity your gastrointestinal tract so you can reverse insulin resistance you can reverse this this cascade of inflammation that's going on in the body and that's why we blend all of these elements of the panacea protocol because that's when you will be successful you cannot just give women hormones because hormones by themselves cannot do for the woman everything okay. she needs to have the blending of fixing the gut a lifestyle that optimizes health Right. So you need to fix the gut. We need to fix the gut. Absolutely. So we focus on fixing the gut, uh, getting their diet and lifestyle congruent with optimal health. And then if they need it, we use the Panacea HRT to titrate them to the hormone sweet spot where they can actually uh, derive all of the benefits for uh, well-balance and health. How many women in general have you successfully treated up to date? You know, I don't know an exact number, but I can tell you it's in the tens of thousands. I've been doing hormone therapy almost full time over the past 15 to 16 years. Uh, yes, I started hormone replacement therapy way back there, but that wasn't my specialty. My specialty over the last 15 years has been hormone okay. replacement therapy. And we, we do both men and women, but... Our main focus is estrogen replacement or hormone optimization for women. Okay, before you ventured off in the in the panacea protocol, what protocol were you using prior to that? Have you used Wiley protocol? 
I have. Wiley Protocol was what really got us successful. Wiley Protocol has phenomenal principles behind it. I'm not negative against the Wiley Protocol, but it is limited in its application. In other words, its scope of effectiveness is limited. You need to have a protocol that can adapt to a thousand percent variability in the dosing requirements. And her protocol doesn't lend itself well for that. Okay. So I had to come up with our own system that had the flexibility and adaptability to be able to adequately address every woman's need. So bio, you're looking at bio-individuality of a, of a woman, basically. Exactly. Her genetics, her volume of distribution, how she detoxifies estrogen out of the body, how well she absorbs the creams to the skin. There are a great deal of variabilities that affect our ability to get to those optimal blood levels. And uh, so we had to come up with a system that had that flexibility. And that's why we evolved and created the Panacea HRT. And it's the same with men. Men, I mean, men, all men, and we're all different. I'm different yes. than you. You know, so it says you have to have something that's a flexible to adapt to different people. Exactly. And, you know, there's not a one size fits all and not everybody responds to the same protocol. And sometimes you have to come up with a unique protocol just for that person. Okay. Why should a woman consider hormone replacement therapy in the, in the first right. place? That's a great question. Because before you answer it, I know a lot of women that go to the physician and they have an autoimmune disease. And right. so they treat the autoimmune disease, but are missing the boat on the hormones. Right. Because of what, you, you know, because doctors aren't trained in this. Exactly. No, uh, Tom, that's a brilliant question. You know, a lot of women puzzle over that. They say, oh, I feel fine. I don't really need hormone replacement therapy. But it reflects the fact that people don't really understand the relevance or value of estrogen to their overall health. And it turns out, I mean, the data is coming out every day that even a slight reduction in circulating estrogen levels in a woman trends her toward insulin resistance. And of course, insulin resistance is behind autoimmune disease, diabetes, heart disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, et cetera, et cetera. And we know that the peak onset for autoimmune disease, and there's about 100 plus different autoimmune diseases now, the peak onset for onset of autoimmune disease is between the third, fourth, and fifth decades of a woman's life, exactly at the time in her life when her estrogen levels begin to decline. And so we want to be proactive. We want to jump in there and avoid the pitfalls that a woman is doomed to fall into if she doesn't maintain her estrogen at optimal levels. And so when a woman is choosing not to do hormone replacement therapy, she's setting herself as a sitting duck for all kinds of chronic degenerative diseases of aging. Uh, when she was young and her ovaries were functioning at peak performance, she was protected from all of these problems. Um, unless a woman had a genetic issue or some other reason why she lost her hormones as a young person, uh, she is protected. Now, I've seen young people come in, 20-year-old uh, females come in with advanced rheumatoid arthritis. And you evaluate them and 
you realize, yes, they have all the laboratory and physical findings of rheumatoid arthritis. And you dig a little further and she says, well, Dr. Nagel, I haven't had a period in a year. And then you check and you, you find that she has high levels of prolactin and you do an MRI for pituitary and she has prolactinoma in the brain. And obviously prolactinoma stops a woman's ability to produce estrogen. So a young woman put into a state of estrogen deficiency is a sitting duck for autoimmune disease, whether it's thyroid disease, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, Graves' disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, you name it all these different diseases, she's a sitting duck and her estrogen begins to drift low. And so you want to kind of jump in there the moment she becomes symptomatic, whether it's irregular menstrual periods, migraine, headaches, fatigue, PMS, et cetera, et cetera, and correct those problems. If you could do it lifestyle, fine. If not, you introduce the panacea HRT, which restores her back to a young, healthy level of hormone replacement therapy. And it mimics most mother nature's template for hormone replacement therapy wow okay great i I love this one thing i see though and i'm going to go a little bit off my script because it just popped into my head but one thing i see it's fundamentally wrong and that's not your fault and it's part of the system's fault is hormone replacement therapy is not normally covered under insurance but a prescription for autoimmune disease is covered So how do we change that? Oh my gosh. I I wish I had an answer for that because the system is obstinate. There's political and economic forces that are driving a lot of what is done in medicine today that doesn't necessarily address the needs of the patient, but addresses the needs of the pharmaceutical industry and also the insurance industry. And so there's a lot of politics and um, people who collaborate together to make policy. And these policies have been in place for a very long time. And they don't like systems or paradigms that address the root cause of people's problems and trying to prevent or reverse disease. The disease model that we have today is about let's treat disease. Let's not keep this person from having disease, but let's treat their disease effectively. And that that's the most cost-effective, at least what they claim is the most cost-effective right. moment. And it is frustrating, and I think there is a need for enormous re-education of the public and, of course, to help the insurance companies understand that it's in their best interest to help maintain this person in a state of well-balanced health so they avoid all the problems down the road. I think one of the problems that I've noticed with insurance companies is that they know they can maintain a patient until they turn the patient over to Medicare at age 65. And and it's when the person gets old that they seem to have all the real health problems. So they don't have to take on those health challenges. Medicare gets stuck with it. Mm. And of course, Medicare is a dollar that's thinning very badly and it can't take on all of these challenges either. Well, there's so more coming. Needs to be, yes, there's more and more problem. We're, we're, we're the Titanic heading for the iceberg. And unless we divert quickly, uh, we are all going to sink from the burden of the cost of the ill health that's going on in our uh, country today. Wow. 
Okay, that's a whole other subject. So, yes, it is. <laughs> because, I, I mean, you look at Betty, who goes into their physician with aches and pains and gets diagnosed with autoimmune disease and gets a prescription with an autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis, or whatever you want to, even fibromyalgia. And she gets a prescription and doesn't even get talked about replacing the hormone part. Right. And most and physicians it, don't even run an in-depth hormone panel on anybody, not just females, right. but men also. So it's a problem with the educational system that we have. Again, I, I was lucky. I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. But when I look back at my own education and what the literature is reporting as what doctors are being educated with today, they are not being taught anything about hormones. and so. You can't really blame the individual doctor as much as the system that's failing the physician at not helping him connect the dots between the relationship of your hormones and your risk of disease. And, you know, fortunately, I've been able to connect those dots thanks to having read a lot of William Osler and, and um, some of the other guys that were practicing medicine the real way back in the old days. All right. All right, let's go back. Let's get off the, the negativity and let's get back to the positivity and yeah. talk about the hormone sweet spot. That's What does a sweet spot mean? Okay. So over the years, we've been able to correlate the relationship between certain laboratory values, estrogen, FSH, TSH, SHBG, and so forth with how a woman feels. So women literally live in real time with their estrogen levels. Within seconds to minutes, to within minutes to hours, within hours to days. So how a woman feels at that moment in time could be a reflection of what her estrogen levels are. So we have some very clear-cut criteria, which are based on the optimal normal blood levels throughout a woman's reproductive cycle. We know what those levels are, and we know that if we can get a woman to those optimal levels, that she can't imagine feeling any better. And so when a woman comes in and says, Doc, I feel great. I know I'm at the hormone sweet spot. And you look at her blood tests, because we monitor her blood tests about every three to four months on a specific day of her menstrual cycle. And there is almost always perfect correlation between the blood levels and how she feels. And if she's coming in, she's fallen off the curve, so to speak, and she's saying, I'm not feeling good, I'm feeling moody, irritable, I'm anxious, I can't sleep, I, my periods are coming early or whatever, those are all clues that she's become estrogen deficient and the blood tests usually concur with that. And we make an adjustment or dosage to bring her back to that hormone sweet spot. And, you know, there's all kinds of factors that can throw a woman off the curve all the way from herbal supplementation that helps to accelerate detoxification of estrogen out of her body to taking certain prescription drugs. Antibiotics are an extremely common uh, reason why a woman might fall off the hormone sweet spot. People get sick, they get pneumonia, they get a urinary tract infection, they have to have an antibiotic. 
to give the patient a heads up and say, look, this antibiotic is going to induce your liver detoxification of estrogen, the cytochrome P450 pathway, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to drop your estrogen levels like a stone. It will impact how you feel. And so we ride the storm out and then we adjust the hormones and bring her back to that hormone sweet spot over time. Uh, what days do you test on? 14, 20, 14 and 21? So I check it on days 13 and 13. 22. Okay, 13 and 22? Yes. And generally I get days 13, but I have been monitoring days 22 more consistently because that has relevance because I want to know what her estrogen levels are, yes, but I also want to know what her progesterone levels are right. because you need to be able to balance estrogen with progesterone or even with hormone replacement therapy, she can become estrogen dominant. And so you need to balance those two. And so day 22 is around the peak dosage for progesterone and estrogen during the luteal phase of her cycle. And that information is extremely meaningful. But I also monitor periodically on day 13. Okay. How will a woman feel when she's in her sweet spot? Oh, great. Okay. So she's got energy. She's got a stable, happy mood. She's usually in a happy place. She sleeps well. She's got good motivation. Her menstrual periods are normal, predictable, and no big deal. She doesn't have pain or cramping with them. She um, has a libido. She is generally interested in having a relationship that's a good, healthy relationship, as opposed to one where she doesn't want to be around her partner. But the other interesting thing is that her muscle strength her physical configuration helps to actually improve her sexuality, her sensuality, and um, she sends off pheromonal signals with adequate estrogen. And generally, she has a good libido and a good sex life if she's got a partner that can be on the same page with her. And the partner needs probably needs to be on hormone replacement therapy too. <laughs> If they need it, absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I know yeah. myself, my estrogen level is very low. We're very low. I'm, so I'm, I'm on home. I just started this week hormone replacement therapy because with because my estrogen dipped below where it should be to make me feel good. So Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, in men, we think of testosterone as the male hormone, but testosterone is very important to women. It's not just a male hormone. Right. But most of the health benefits that men derive from testosterone replacement therapy is because of regional tissue conversion of testosterone into estradiol. Right. So estradiol affects a man's mood. It protects his brain. It's protective to the cardiovascular system. It helps him prevent osteoporosis. It restores his bone health. So estrogen is very important in a man. Too much estrogen can be associated with gynecomastia and breast tenderness. Uh, so, you know, we have to make sure that he's not over-converting. Because a man's fat cells, and if a man has a bit of fat, his fat cells are converting testosterone into estrogen, which is a good thing, but too much is not okay, a good thing. Right. They have to find the balance for that. 
And now a word from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach. To sign up for my monthly newsletter, text RHCP, that's Rebel Health Coach Podcast, or Red Hot Chili Peppers, to 22828. Again, that's RHCP to 22828. Thank you and have an awesome day. What are some of your clinical goals you're shooting for with hormone replacement therapy? So number one, we want the patient to have a good quality of life. We want to be able to reverse the symptoms and complaints that they came in in the first place. Um, We want them to be able to sculpt their body, lose weight. We want their metabolism to be reinvigorated. We want to reverse that insulin resistance. We want to decrease the risk of future disease. So those are really our goals. We want to bring that woman to a well-balanced state of health and keep her there for as long as she wants to derive the benefits of hormone replacement therapy. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. How do you feel? What's your quality of life? Do you have enough estrogen to reverse insulin resistance and maintain your organ systems? Because every organ system in a woman's body is dependent on estrogen. So we want to maintain her brain, her bones, her heart, her circulation, her immune system in a state of well-balanced health and diet, lifestyle, and estrogen optimization helps to afford that for the woman. So that's kind of my goal with hormone replacement therapy. But again, Sometimes patients have their own specific goals. Doctor, I want nice, thick, healthy hair. Okay, well, you're not going to get nice, thick, healthy hair with just a little bit of estrogen. You have to restore that estrogen to what a young, healthy, reproductive woman had. Sometimes it's, um, I'm having pain with intercourse. So you need to adjust her hormones to restore her vaginal and reproductive health. So there's all kinds of reasons and goals for hormone therapy, but for the most part, my goal as a physician is I want this woman to feel good, but at the same time, prevent any problems with her health down the road. What's the average time length from when a woman begins hormone replacement therapy till she gets to that sweet spot? Okay. So again, every woman is a unique challenge, but I can tell you it takes anywhere from three to six months, sometimes a year or longer, depending on how many systems we have to correct in this woman. So Marie has talked to you, you know, Menopause Moxie's talked to you about the different categories of women. You have women who've taken care of themselves perfectly all their life. They've exercised, they've eaten right, they have good stress tolerance, they have good support systems in their life. These women are an easy charm to get to the hormone sweet spot and keep them there. It's like unbelievable. It's uncanny how easy it is to get them there. Then you have women who are toxic. They've eaten the American diet and lifestyle. They're stressed. They've got a lot of chaos in their life. And these people, it can take quite a while. And it's easy for them to want to throw in the towel because there's no quick fix for getting you back to that hormone sweet spot and that state of well-balanced health. So we give them a heads up. We educate them thoroughly about the process 
of going to the different stages until you get to the hormone sweet spot. And as long as they are aware that these are a normal response to getting there and that they need to be responsible about following the recommendations that we give them with respect to diet, and lifestyle, and so forth, eventually we get you there. And usually it could take up to six months to a year for those types of patients. So, you know, and that goes back to what we discussed earlier about fixing the gut. If you're going to have to... If you're going to have to do an overall on somebody's gut, it's going to take longer. Right. That's a very important issue. And it's one that I struggle with all the time because the health of the gut is extremely critical for being able to detoxify the estrogen metabolites out of the body. And estrogen metabolism is critical to being able to achieve that. And that's a whole huge topic of detoxification. But I have patients who come in and they say, yeah, doc, I have regular bowel movements. I've got a bowel movement every two weeks if I take a laxative. <laughs> well, you can imagine that the ecosystem of her gut is so dysfunctional and so toxic. You start dumping estrogen metabolites into her gut and they're hanging around. There's this enterohepatic recirculation system that absorbs all of those undesirable estrogen metabolites back into the system. And they can create a whole host of side effects and problems and sabotage her from being able to feel good. So fixing the gut is absolutely critical for these women to succeed on their journey to that sweet spot. Makes sense? Yes, absolutely. I mean, because the gut is the gut-brain connection. I mean, the gut is overall in charge of our body, in my opinion. Right. The gut health. And, and men, too. It I mean, is. Men, men who eat, go, you know, these businessmen that go out and eat crap food all the time and still, and still try and work on a schedule that, demean, that needs their brain, they're, they're fighting a losing battle. And same way with women. So you need to... Yes. Anyway, we're going down another rabbit hole that I'm not going to go down today. Yeah. Because that's, there's so many rabbit holes with the gut. It's incredible. Yep. It's, uh, it's important. All right. We talked about testing for how often you test. Let's talk about estrogen and testosterone. But before we do, I want to talk about pellet therapy a little bit. Okay. When... You see a woman that's been on pellet therapy for a prolonged period of time, like 10 years. And you look at her labs and you see that she's, you know, you, you basically look at her lab and say, basically she's a, a, a female transitioning into a man right now because of the test, in my opinion, because of pellet therapy. Right. That Lodem and Go, that Marie, as Moxie Marie puts it, that Lodem and Go or how's that? I don't, I don't remember how she put that, but load them up and, and send them on out the door or whatever it is. But yeah, so I'm not a big fan of pellet therapy for women. I think it may have a place in men occasionally, but in women, especially pellet therapy that's administering testosterone, women might feel better because they were feeling so lousy in a state of estrogen deficiency. But women are not men, and women don't need high levels of testosterone to function. When you give them high levels of testosterone, you create the risk of all kinds of problems. Number one, high levels of testosterone in a woman accentuates her insulin resistance. 
She's going to thicken around the middle. She's going to block the estrogen effect on her breasts and on her uterus and all other tissues of her body. Testosterone is an estrogen blocker. So what we do is we advise the patient to stop pellet therapy. They need three months or more to be able to wean off of it. And then we restore their estrogen. Women require estrogen to regulate everything, to be women. And so we optimize their estrogen along with progesterone. If they need it, we give them a little bit of testosterone. But, you know, whether the woman has a uterus or she's had a hysterectomy determines your approach to treating her. But you have to get the, uh, the testosterone out of the system because it will block the impact of estrogen. And what makes a woman really feel good and drives everything in her body exactly. is estrogen. Yeah. And so, it's estrogen, believe it or not, that's the driving force behind a libido as well. And testosterone comes along and actually adds improvement to the sensitivity of the erogenous zones, helps to improve her orgasmic response. It does help to make sex more interesting for her, but the driving force of libido in women is estrogen. And unless a woman has adequate estrogen, the testosterone is not going to do a thing for her libido unless you give her enough testosterone to convert her into a man. And then that's a whole different story. Well, yeah, and then you get the hair on the chin, hair on the breasts, right. and around the nipples. The, you get the, and their hair falls out on the top of, on their, the top head. of their head. Yes. And to me, it's just not physiologic to put a, a woman on a lot of testosterone. Right. It makes no sense. All right. Let's not go into estrogen dominance. And this is in, uh, there's a lot of talk about estrogen dominance. As, yes. as a functional medicine practitioner myself, I use that term frequently with people with high, high, you know, with insulin issues and, you know, the, with, basically diabetes, type 2 diabetes, you know. So what can you tell me about estrogen dominance and how a woman gets it and how do we get rid of it? Okay. That's a good question. And I have to tell you, there is a lot of misinformation out there about what estrogen dominance is. I'll tell you where estrogen dominance comes from in the first place. If you look at the physiology of the ovary, the primary follicle in the ovary produces estrogen in response to FSH during the follicular phase of her cycle. And then through a system of both positive and negative feedback loops, estrogen regulates ovarian function. So you have to have estrogen to regulate ovarian function through the system of positive and negative feedback loops in the pituitary and the hypothalamus in the brain. So negative feedback to lower FSH and LH in order to lower estrogen. Positive feedback, especially at mid-cycle, to create higher levels of FSH, but also to induce an LH surge. LH surge results in ovulation. Once you ovulate, then the remaining corpus luteum produces progesterone and estrogen. But only after a woman ovulates do you produce progesterone. 
So if you have adequate progesterone production with adequate estrogen, a woman is in a state of estrogen balance. What causes estrogen dominance is when a woman's ovaries begin to age, she underproduces estrogen, so she gets an inadequate mid-cycle surge of estrogen because not only does the peripheral estrogen levels have to surge, but the brain-derived estradiol as well. It's very interesting how recent research is showing that estrogen produced in the brain affects the hypothalamus along with the peripheral surge in estrogen. If you get an adequate estrogen surge, then and only then you get an adequate LH surge, which facilitates ovulation. Once you ovulate, you produce progesterone. So estrogen dominance is a state of when you have adequate estrogen, you have estrogen around, but no progesterone or very little progesterone. And that's a very uncomfortable place for a woman. But what is not understood is that estrogen dominance equates with and is always estrogen deficiency. And so people think, oh, I'll just fix this with some progesterone. No, you need to create an adequate mid-cycle estrogen surge to create its own receptors, its own LH surge, its own upregulation of progesterone receptors, and then progesterone can do the job that progesterone was supposed to do to mature the endometrium and downregulate the estrogen receptor. So again, there's a lot of misunderstanding and the approach to treatment is always wrong because they think women have too much estrogen. Uh-uh. It's a relative phenomenon. They have too little estrogen and no progesterone. So that's why women get PMS, PMDD, all kinds of menstrual irregularities when they're in a state of estrogen dominance because they don't have enough estrogen to create an LH surge. Okay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Exactly. And it explain, clear, hopefully clears that up for some people. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about, <clears throat> since we're out, we're going to finish this, uh, we'll talk about estrogen here for a minute. There's a lot of talk about estrogen that causes cancer. And from what we've been talking about, and, and, and in my opinion, and this, my opinion may be wrong, it's just my opinion, but if we treat estrogen, if we treat a person with the, uh, when they come in, if Betty comes into the physician and we treat her correctly, or she's treated correctly and put on hormone replacement therapy to fix the little issues, cancer won't happen, in my opinion. Yeah, correct. I could be wrong. No. So there's been very large meta-analyses that looks at this issue. And uh, Stanford University published a paper in collaboration with McMaster's University, Cornell University, and California Institutes of Technology. And they did this Bayesian meta-analysis looking at age-adjusted data. So women who were put on hormone replacement therapy, and they, they did about 30 different trial studies, both observational studies and randomized placebo-controlled trials to collect this data. They found that Women who started hormone replacement therapy prior to the age of 60 had a significant reduction in all-cause mortality, mm. all-cause mortality, 
And Yale University's Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology published data in the American Journal of Public Health in which they, they estimated that 48,000 women have now died needlessly because of our recommendation to stop estrogen. And the two leading causes of death were heart disease and breast cancer. The very things that have been warning us against estrogen, if you deprive a woman of adequate estrogen, you're putting her at risk for cancer, heart disease, etc., etc. So we know that the smoking gun of breast cancer is insulin resistance. And the inflammation and the immune response associated with the inflammatory condition of insulin resistance drives the production of cancer which is then fueled by the aromatase activation. So they convert more androgen into estrogen in the local tissues, not the circulating circulation or circulating estrogen, but in the local tissues that helps to stimulate the growth of this breast cancer. And so that's why estrogen has a bad reputation, because there is a link between tissue levels of estrogen, but it's involving, involved in a very pathological condition that is driven by an inflammatory response, and it's all about loss of circulating estrogen. So if you maintain circulating estrogen, her physiology is going to protect her against going down the path of inflammation that causes the cancer in the first place. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Okay. And I hope that clears that up for a lot of other people too. Those are the biggest studies that I think help to clarify how protective estrogen is and how necessary estrogen is at protecting you against getting these diseases down the road. All right, let's talk about, can you really reverse or prevent perimenopause and menopause? And why would a woman want to? Okay. So we don't always have the luxury of intervening before a woman becomes estrogen deficient. But in the ideal world, when she begins to notice symptoms of declining estrogen, you want to intervene then. Because by intervening then, you reduce her risk of developing further insulin resistance and all the diseases and inflammation associated with that. And to me, that's one of the biggest reasons for initiating hormone replacement therapy. The other benefits are energy, sense of well-being, sexuality, being able to maintain the essence of who you were as a woman. Because as women age, age 40 and older, 48% of women age 40 and older never or almost never have a spontaneous sexual thought. And that's not who they were when they were young. And that interferes negatively with their relationship dynamic. And so relationship dynamic, prevention of disease, being able to feel and look like you did when you were younger, these are all the benefits of starting hormone replacement therapy. And the sooner you begin in perimenopause and or early menopause, the more benefits you will derive from it. So a woman is putting herself at risk of disease, depression, and all kinds of health problems if she does not 
be proactive and initiate hormone replacement therapy before the damage has occurred. Okay. How long, how long do you recommend a woman or a man stay on hormone replacement therapy? Uh, Dr. Robert Wilson, who published the book Feminine Forever in, in, in 1965, he recommended hormone replacement therapy in women who needed it from menarche to the grave. So I tell my patients, whatever it is you want is the best answer. So do you want to maintain and preserve the benefits of hormone replacement therapy? There's no age or cutoff where that needs to stop. But it's up to the patient to make that decision. They need to be an active participant in making these decisions. But in my opinion, as long as a woman is maintained in an estrogen-rich environment, her health and quality of life parameters are greatly enhanced. And our goal is to keep you feeling the way you were when you were at your peak performance. Okay, so if you get to get a woman or a man to the for that matter to that hormone sweet spot, is it easier to maintain once you hit that sweet spot? Generally, I mean the woman needs constant attention. We need to monitor her because there's all kinds of problems that can sabotage her being in that hormone sweet spot stress, medication, compliance, various technical issues as well. But there are reasons for falling off the sweet spot. So, But if you're at the sweet spot and you've been there a while, I can tell you that it's much easier to maintain you in that sweet spot, uh, assuming that there aren't other issues that are sabotaging your hormone levels. Okay. Let's talk about panacea protocol a little bit. And what, what made you and Marie or Moxie Marie decide to, to go into the, the Panacea Protocol? And also, what is the future of Panacea Protocol? Not just in, because right now you're in, if people want to come see you, they have to fly out there to see you person to person. Right. And, and so, because I practice in California, we insist on meeting a patient face to face, allowing me to establish a relationship with them and examine them and get to know them. And then once they're established patient with me, then we can do follow-up appointments with either telephone, telemedicine, some other type of uh, telemedicine medium. But in terms of the panacea protocol, that is the entire package. That's the lifestyle all of the different elements that are involved in a therapeutic prescription for well-being. So that's not to be confused with the Panacea HRT. Panacea HRT is just one of the 16 elements in the Panacea Protocol. Okay. So the Panacea Protocol is a functional medicine approach to helping maintain this person in a state of good health, along with the Panacea HRT, which is element 12 of the Panacea Protocol. And that's the the hormone replacement therapy system. We find that this system is what makes getting the woman to the hormone sweet spot feasible in the first place. Not other, all other systems have the ability to get there, whereas the Panacea Protocol, we can get you there as long as the patient doesn't throw in the towel. Um, so again, we're taking new patients 
our practice is wide open. We participate with hormone coaches that help to guide the patient and answer their questions and educate them about all the basic elements of a good, healthy therapeutic lifestyle intervention. Because if you don't have all those other elements in place, just the hormone replacement therapy alone can't do it all for you. You won't feel good. You won't derive all the benefits. You might feel a little bit better, but you're not going to be healthy and you're not going to be able to achieve that hormone sweet spot without bringing in all of the other elements of a good, healthy therapeutic lifestyle intervention program. And that's a functional medicine approach. Okay. And I like that part. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think that, you know, with the help of people like Jeffrey Bland, of course, and Mark Hyman, I think, and a few others out there that the functional medicine world is, James Maskell, the functional medicine world is becoming more known. Yes. And it is. Thank God for those guys because they've helped to inspire other physicians and educate other physicians about the value of functional medicine approach because that's the only approach that really helps get to the root cause of the of the problem. And most of my patients come into my office and they look me straight in the face and they say, Dr. Nagel, we don't like doctors. We don't trust doctors. And we certainly don't want your drugs. And these are the demographic of women who are intelligent and looking for answers that resonates with the natural healer within them. And if we can give them what they know their body needs through diet, lifestyle, and hormone optimization. They are happy, and they they will maintain that state of well-balanced health. Yep. One other question I have for you. First of all, is there anything you have that we haven't touched base on that you want to mention? I think there's need for educating doctors how to understand a woman's endocrine system the value of estrogen for a woman. And that education process can only come from other doctors that get it. Fortunately, I was trained by doctors who got it. But we need to, if we're going to have any hope of changing the system, making this the standard of care in hormone replacement therapy, we need to launch a very aggressive education program, trained not only physicians, but also hormone health coaches and the consumer, the women out there who are vacillating about whether or not they need hormone replacement therapy. They need to understand that their quality of life and health is much better if they can be on hormone replacement therapy, but it needs to be the right kind of hormone replacement therapy. Just a little bit of estrogen is not going to reverse the pathologic processes that a woman has as she ages. You need true physiologic dosing. Um, there's, there's a lot of other things that we do, but that's for another topic. Another do you topic. foresee Panacea HRT going outside of just the California branch? Like I, I'm currently using a company out of Florida for my hormone replacement therapy, and I haven't yes. even... I've, I phoned in, my, my initial consultation was with a physician over the computer on Zoom. Right. right. Is that something you, you're working on in the future? Absolutely. Our goal is to be able to 
provide these hormones for as many patients around the country as possible. And that means teaming up with other pharmacies that are interested in compounding these hormones for us and do it the right way. Not all pharmacies have the sophistication and training to do rhythmic hormone the right way. But we want to educate and we want to bring more and more pharmacies and states into the fold so that we can be able to more effectively address the needs of hormone replacement therapy of women all around the country, not just in California. Well, that'd be nice because, I mean, you know, a lot of people would like to do your panacea protocol or panacea HRT, but don't have access to, you know, or don't have the funds to fly out to Chino to see you or Chico. Yeah, exactly. And this is, you know, we're, we're in the early stages of letting the world know that we exist. And our goal is to expand and be in as many States as we can, because there's a growing demand for this type of hormone replacement therapy. Women want it. It sounds like something that resonates with what's in their instinct and they know this is what they want. So uh, we want to provide it for them and hopefully uh, we'll have the means shortly to be able to do that. One other question. I, have, I got two now because one just came up. I was with it through a conversation with a client the other day. Then a client comes to you without a thyroid at all. The thyroid was removed for whatever reason because, you know, you and I both know a lot of physicians like to yank thyroids out because it's the easiest way to fix it. Right. So if it's, well, sometimes sometimes ahead. you have no choice. Right, right. Um, they have a goiter. They have a cancer in the thyroid that needs to be removed. Generally, doctors don't remove a thyroid unless there's a good reason <laughs> right, to right. do it. Although I, there are doctors that remove thyroids for trivial reasons that uh, probably didn't require a thyroidectomy. But if a person does not have a thyroid, they're actually the easiest to replace their thyroid and like hormone replacement therapy with estrogen or testosterone there is a sweet spot for thyroid as well okay and our goal is to find that sweet spot using blood tests as well as the clinical response we like using desiccated thyroids they're you know the natural thyroid sometimes uh, compounding pharmacies can compound a, a desiccated like thyroid for us but the more the thyroid looks like your own natural thyroid the better it is for the patient you want a combination of t4 and t3 and the t3 is the only real active thyroid in our bodies right and it requires all of the active machinery to convert the T4 into T3. And as people age, many times that machinery breaks down and they don't convert the T4 into T3. So you need to give them a combination of those two hormones and they feel much better. A lot of times you give a person just T4, they don't feel good. You give them T4 and T3, they feel good. And your goal as a physician is to find the right dose for that individual. Now, there is an interesting relationship between thyroid and estrogen. So as estrogen goes up, the more thyroid you require. 
as estrogen goes down as a woman ages, the lower her estrogen, the more likely she becomes a sitting duck for Hashimoto's thyroiditis or Graves' disease. So, but once a woman is on thyroid replacement therapy and she starts hormone replacement therapy, you have to, in real time, adjust the thyroid dosage with the estrogen. Because the more estrogen in the system, the more thyroid you require. And of course, you blend all of that with the adrenals, with human growth hormone, with other endocrine issues, because everything works together as an orchestra. And you can't ignore one and just address the other. So, but there's no question as estrogen rises in a woman's body, because she's got either no thyroid or she's entered thyropause, and it's an extremely common thing or has already developed Hashimoto's thyroiditis or some other hypothyroid condition, you're going to need to adjust her hormones as you adjust her estrogen. Yeah, this particular person I'm talking about had hypothyroidism, but it was 10 years ago, and the doctor, without even treating or working any angles, to fix that, the hypothyroidism before he took it out, which is sad, but it happens. And, and, you know, I'm not bashing doctors by any means, but sometimes like to your point, the functional medicine aspect gets overlooked. Yes. And they, and they go for the quick fix because the thyroid is a lot more needed than other things like an appendix. So exactly. Yeah. It's, Uh, it's much easier to give people a pill than it is to fix their endocrine problem or their autoimmune process that's making them <laughs> right. right. I just want to clarify that because I, I was sure. I, I kind of I, it happened the other day and it kind of made me mad because she's a young lady and she's walking around without a thyroid because and she knows it she's like I wish if I would have been if I would have known she said to me if I would have known now what I knew then or if I would have known then what I know now I wouldn't have had him yank it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you have a patient who is wanting to do whatever they can to regain their health instead of the quick fix of Western medicine, which is the pit that too many people fall into, there are strategies that you can do, especially utilizing estrogen replacement therapy to calm down the immune system and reverse the autoimmune process that's driving that thyroid issue in the first place right. so yeah we we work with our patients who are interested in doing that and uh, we have seen thyroid problems reverse and them not requiring thyroid replacement therapy assuming they've got a, right. a thyroid that hasn't been burned out by other processes all right one last question i have for you and i usually ask okay. this to all my people i interview is if you have 30 minutes to an hour to kill. What album or artist would you throw on just to chill with? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I can tell you that some of my favorite artists, actually Johnny Mathis. I love Johnny Mathis. Back in the old days when I was able to do that sort of thing, I liked uh, Three Dog Night. Right. Some of those other guys, um, bread. I love bread. Yeah. But yeah, 
Um, I completely I, forgot. I don't often I mean. have the luxury to do that now, but uh, that's what I used to do. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the luxury to sit around for 30 minutes? <laughs> well, I usually find something else to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Mathis had a great voice, man. I forgot about him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he's so soothing. Yeah. That was and neat. he has a great message. Yeah. You know, Songs. I might have to go throw some of that on this afternoon. Well, I'm working, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for joining me. And Tom, it's a pleasure, and I appreciate your uh, questions. And hopefully, this has been helpful to your patients. Very, uh, very much so. Your clients, very yeah. much so. I think it, it, it ends this series out in a perfect way. So, I appreciate the time you took to be with me today. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.